Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, so welcome back. We have Alex Putterman from Hearst Media here in studio, and which is nice. I mean, if, if you don't remember, Alex was sort of a go-to guy for us for a lot of time um, during COVID. And we had a lot of different conversations. There we go. I just, by the way, I just, I just uh, paid for my six months right now so I can look at the whole thing. Um, but I had already read it before because I had found a different way. Uh, this is, I'm just talking to Alex directly. You know, the, some of the stuff is on a paywall. But, you know, for 99 cents for a month for six months, it's not, not a bad deal. Um, anyway, uh, Alex was our go-to guy for COVID for a long, long time uh, when he was at The Current. And then he switched over to Hearst. And, and it seems like... I mean, would you characterize what you're doing as like an? Are you an enterprise reporter? I mean, yep that that is how I would describe it. Um, for people who don't know exactly what that means, yeah, I try to take a deeper look at uh, a variety of subjects um, and and go sort of beyond just a, a sort of basic boilerplate story. Yeah, go beyond the puddle deep and go deeper. And we want to get to two particular subjects today. One is the this high school sports story, which appealed to me. A great deal. And then the affordable housing, That not that that doesn't appeal to me, but I first wanted to have you in for this high school sports. But I also think it's important because uh, Connecticut media landscape is, is, is interesting. So Hearst Media, what, what newspapers does that include? Yep. So uh, Hearst Connecticut Media owns a lot of the newspapers in the southern part of the state. So if anybody is listening to this um, from Ridgeport or New Haven or anywhere down there, maybe already familiar, but... Um, the Connecticut Post, the New Haven Register, Stanford Advocate, um, on and on and on. Um, if you're in the Hartford area, maybe you're more familiar with uh, ctinsider.com, which is a, a website that uh, Hearst has developed in the last couple of years um, and that a lot of my work goes on, which is sort of supposed to uh, focus on a more statewide level. And they're advertising. They got the billboard on 84. I mean, so I mean, Hearst is really putting a lot into this area. But, it, you know, when I say Hearst Media... I think it's important for people to know, you know, what it represents. But I think the the CT Insider is is what a lot of people up here do know. Now, when it comes to high school sports, first of all, I want to ask you a couple questions. One is, why did you decide to go after this particular topic? This is something actually that that uh, my editor, who was also my editor at the Current, and I had had talked about for a long time. Um, I think for me, I always you know grew up a big sports fan, and there's a lot of um, a lot of reputation around sports, glorification of sports as this kind of equalizer. It's a meritocracy. You know, anybody, any team with hard work and some talent can win. You see all the underdog movies. Um, you know, in reality, the team in Hoosiers probably wouldn't have won because when you actually go into the numbers, it turns out that, you know, often it's the more, uh, you know, affluent and, and privileged uh, towns and teams that that have success. The underdog story in 
you know, I guess that's what makes underdog stories special. But but on sort of a, a broad level, it, it's sort of a myth. But how did you did you just sort of wonder if that was true? Like, how did the subject come up in your mind in the first place? Yeah, I think it was actually suggested to us by some people who who work in high school sports in Connecticut who who were sort of pointing to this this gap and kind of a growing gap that's more obvious than ever. So somebody probably two and a half years ago, three years ago, somebody pointed this out and we started to sort of crunch the numbers. It actually got sidelined because of COVID, but I'm glad we were able to come back to it. And there is a direct correlation between, say, funding or income levels of of residents in the town and success in sports? Yep. So what I did was I basically um, tracked uh, every championship won in any sport uh, in a CIAC-sponsored sport over the last 10 years and then compared that to the median household income of the town that that high school was in. It took out private schools, made a couple other little adjustments. Um, and basically what you find is that you know the, the schools that have won the most, with a couple exceptions, are um, Darien, Westport, well, Staples, which is in Westport, um, Greenwich, New Canaan, um, etc., and then you look at, uh, you know, Bridgeport, the state's largest city, has won one championship uh, in the last 10 years. And, and Hartford has only won a few. And Waterbury has won none. Um, New Haven is sort of an exception. They have a very good track program, et cetera. And there are so many variables here, though. And the piece is uneven playing field. Rich towns dominate CT high school sports amid deep inequalities. You can get it uh, through CT Insider. And, and we're talking with Alex Putterman, uh, the author of the piece, which came out uh, late last week. But there are a lot of variables here because there's there's a there's the tax base there's families who have enough money to put their kids in pay for play programs you know it's not it's not just the high school which has the best uniforms and 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 the most you know basketballs and so on and so forth right I mean what's that's the, absolutely right what's yeah. the most determining factor Yeah, it's hard to say what the most determining factor is, but um, there's no doubt that. Uh, schools that have more resources can pay for better gear, better training equipment. You know, if you're a better football, coaching, better coaching, absolutely more coaches. You know, compare how many assistant coaches are at one school versus another. Um, but you know, if you're a football team and you know you have blocking sleds and tackling dummies and a jugs machine and all of this stuff, uh, that makes a difference. Then there's also just the background of the kids, and this was something that I tried to make sure came through in the piece. Um, you know, a Kid A over here, who who has a lot going for him and his family, um, is able to spend you know year round going to camps and and training and getting personal coaching. Player B over here maybe can't afford that, maybe can't do that because he has to be home at a certain time to make sure his little sister uh, gets off the bus, uh, things like that, or hits a certain age and his family needs him to take a job to to pay the bills, um, or doesn't get consistent coaching because his family moves a lot because they don't have uh, secure housing. So there are a lot of variables here. Uh, you can also talk about youth sports. Some towns have more have better youth sports programs and create kind of a better pipeline than other towns have. Whereas if you know you're probably not going to be a great baseball player if you don't play little league, and if your neighborhood or your town doesn't have a little league, well, you're probably not going to be a great baseball player. So. I mean, we we have another two minutes here because I, before we get to solutions, which I want to do after we do, uh, you know, uh, weather and traffic here. What do you think is the most? Because we want, I want to talk about solutions, but I mean, out of all those factors, and there are so many variables. But how would you? Can you rank one or two in terms of importance? I think what you learn the more you kind of look into not just sports but everything is that when you have deep inequalities that. We just obviously having in Connecticut. I don't think it's really deniable. That's just going to manifest in in all parts of life. So 
even beyond like specifically sports, just person A over here has everything they need and is comfortable and person B over here is forced to scrap and scramble and maybe is hungry or doesn't have housing, it, that's always going to Yeah, and I, I also, outcomes. you know, I'm thinking aloud is that I, I think that at first I was like, well, if you have a tax base, you know, you shouldn't have to apologize for having, you know, a strong budget in your town that can allot a lot of money. That's not, you know, anyone's fault or not fault, although you could make up it with funding. But I do think it, now that you say all those things, that it has to do with from the start, like, you know, youth sports and the ability to to get proper coaching when you're a kid or even get involved in the sport to begin with, to get exposed to it. To me, like, it's something that happens over time, not just when you flip the switch in ninth grade. I mean, there, the, the pipeline isn't there in some of these other communities. And, and I think that's probably really important. And is this just an urban versus suburban situation? Uh, not necessarily. You know, there are plenty of smaller towns in Connecticut that don't have the wealth that um, that – uh, many of the and is it just do. Fairfield County or is it like does West Hartford Avon and Simsbury yep. are they more successful probably than you know the East Hartford and the Hartfords? Yeah, no, it, it's statewide. Um, you know, Glastonbury was high up there in terms of of success, not at quite the same level as some of the Fairfield County states. And then if you look at some of the poorer communities, um, you know, in Wyndham or or in uh, Northwest Connecticut, uh, they're not dominating sports. Either even uh, people tout Ansonia, which has had a really good football program. Right. Um, outside of football, uh, they're not they're not winning a lot. That's a, a kind of a working class community that has rallied around football, but you know it's not the same. We're talking with Alex Putterman from Hirsch Media. The piece is uneven playing field. Rich towns dominate CT high school sports amid deep inequalities. We'll talk more about what can be done. I mean, are you do, you don't like to say your age? I mean, I'm 51. I'm 28. I'm not afraid to say my yeah. age. Oh, man, <laughs> you are just hitting the best face to me the 20s were tough i mean for you to have that job of the current when you when you got it that's a really good way to start your career um it's because the 20s are tough and then the 30s is where you crush it so you're starting to crush it before you're 30 which is good the 20s were tough for you and you didn't even have a global pandemic uh interrupting you right in the middle <laughs> right i mean it, i in some ways like i have children and i have teenagers and the pandemic was just awful and and there's no doubt that I don't want to say damage because I don't want to say like long-term damage, but there's no doubt that there's a lot that um, from a mental health perspective and from a cognitive perspective that that definitely did did yeah. did some some negatives there. But we're, you know, I want to put a ribbon on this this issue of the um, lack of equity in high school sports because I think about that. How do you solve it? And I don't really. There's obviously no one-stop shop solution here. Yeah. I would say solutions maybe fall into two categories. There are sort of the big societal solutions that I think people often really bristle against, um, but that, you know, more equitable funding for schools. You think like, um, well, you're talking about like redistribution of funds type right, thing? That, I mean, that kind of thing, you know, would solve it. I'm not here to say what is the right or wrong solution, but if, if schools were, were funded equitably um, on a more regional basis, that would probably address um, educational gaps and also these sports gaps. If we want to focus on sports specifically, sort of within the current system, you know, there's talk about uh, realigning the CIAC so that city schools would compete against each other, so that Bridgeport um, wouldn't have to necessarily face. But that's Greenwich. like lowering the bar and like saying it's okay to have a low bar, though, right? I mean, yeah, I, I think that's right. It would make it easier for for poorer districts to win championships. It wouldn't result make them in better, better instruction for right. their kids, right? Um, there are also, uh, you know, I talked with uh, Joe Arasimowitz, who who was in the state legislature for a long time and is was and is still the uh, Berlin High football coach. Um, he talked about 
there could be better sharing of resources. Um, you know, camps could waive their entrance fees, or or wealthier towns could pay for sponsorships uh, uh, to sponsor poorer towns to go to these camps, so that everybody gets access to the same sort of um, out of season instruction. Um, in the sports world, it's a big thing that coaches are only allowed a limited amount of contact with uh, athletes outside of their seasons, which um, is arguably kind of an equity thing because um, the rich towns can just uh, send their kids to get professional um, coaching and the poor towns the families can. the families can or the family yeah. right or the families can sorry well i mean in, in this one factoid that you know bridgeport spends 30% less per student not, not just for athletes for student than Darien. Right. that's a significant number but specifically about the ciac i mean are, are there things that could be done directly by them to make this better despite to, outside of just realigning the the conferences? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not privy to everybody's budget and, and everything, but could you imagine a situation where there is a little bit more pooling of resources? You know, I have a hard time believing that, um, you know, New Canaan is ever going to just turn over half its athletic budget to, to Bridgeport or raise, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for another town. But, you know, sharing of equipment, or like I said, uh, sponsoring a team to to go to some sort of camp or some sort of um, training. Um, these are little things that I think are not going to alleviate these sorts of inequities we're talking about, but maybe at the margins make a little bit of a difference. We're talking with Alex Putterman from Hearst Media. We were talking about sort of the lack of equity in, in high school sports across the state, and uh, we only have a couple of minutes. It's crazy how quickly things go when you come in for a half an hour, but uh, your most recent piece uh, came out a couple days later on affordable housing, and you have a little bit of a focus on Fairfield County, but in general... <laughs> You know, and Hartford has a lot of new housing, too, and some of it's market rate and some of it's affordable housing. I mean, I think this is one of those things that sometimes people are, like, not in my backyard or they don't want to talk about. And so I'm just interested to to find out what you you wrote about and what you discovered. Yeah, I think affordable housing is becoming sort of a defining issue for Connecticut uh, in this era right now. Um, But so there were were two pieces. There was um, a housing group sort of evaluated the plans that different uh, specifically Fairfield County towns had had submitted although every state was every town I mean was required to submit these plans and you know some did more and some did less and, and I some think, didn't do it at all and right and that was the other story some didn't do it at all um every town was required under a law passed a few years ago to submit these plans that would basically say um, this is the situation regarding affordable housing in our town and this is how we're going to create more affordable housing um, as of September 14th, 114 of the 169 towns had submitted. So that leaves more than 50 who haven't. And the law does not really provide any sort of consequence for that. So, uh, you know, if you don't want to submit, you basically just don't submit. Don't submit. Is, there a, is there, again, forgive my ignorance, but is there a law that requires a certain percentage of affordable housing in every town? Uh, I mean, that that's very complicated. Uh, not not so black and white. Um, it, there are laws that... Um, if you don't have a certain amount of affordable housing, create avenues that more affordable housing can be built, and that's very controversial. And you mentioned the sort of not in my backyard sentiments, but I mean, in some towns, you know, in, in uh, some cities, it's as much as thirty to forty percent of housing is classified as affordable. In some smaller towns, it's less than one percent. So, what other some of the other takeaways? I mean, again, you you two pretty comprehensive pieces. Is 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 it because these towns don't want to do it? Or they're too busy because of the pandemic? I mean, what did you find behind the reasons that people aren't participating? There is definitely resistance in a lot of communities. Um, There are associations. uh, People have an idea of what affordable housing 
means and who that might mean. Um, you know, people raise, I mean, this is sort of the big debate. Uh, towns often raise environmental concerns or they say we don't want to change the character of the town. Uh, people who are more enthusiastic about affordable housing sometimes accuse those towns of being exclusionary, of saying we don't want poor people, or in some cases we don't want black or Latino people in our town. And that is sort of the the fight. And uh, I think it right now it's hard to say sort of where that's going to fall. There's sort of a lot of passion on both sides. Yeah, and, and one thing we learn is that Connecticut needs desperately needs more housing. And so whether it's market rate or affordable, I, I don't know. I just, I mean, because if you have more residents and it depends – it's more tax money and so on and so forth. But I mean, there's obviously a lot of towns that are very, very protective and have a very high bar for, for new construction. And that's part of what living in New England is sort of like. Yeah, that's right. And and this is a big front in this battle. But uh, yeah, there's an argument that goes just build more housing anywhere and that's going to help everybody. It's going to ease rents um, for well for all renters. Um, but you don't think that's the right solution? Um I don't really have a. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, it seems to me that if you want more affordable housing, it would probably help to build more affordable housing. Um, it it also makes sense to some extent that there would be, and there's been research that has shown some some effects of building any housing that would that lowers rents. But uh, it's a it's a very tricky and thorny issue. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen. It's great to see you. I mean, we've never actually met in person, uh, which is kind of wild because. Uh, you know, we relied on you so heavily with all all of your pandemic reporting, but it must be just cathartic to do these pieces after two years of was it how, was it two, basically two straight years on on the COVID beat? More or less, I dipped into some other things along the way, but yeah, it was it was a lot of pandemic. Uh, you know, my I great friends now practically with my sources, the epidemiologists. <laughs> they uh, they 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 got them on speed dial. <laughs> they, they helped you out a great deal. All right, Alex, thanks so much. We appreciate it. And we'll have you back again soon. I hope. Yeah, thanks for having me. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.